Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, plus your favorite casino and card games available to play right on your phone. Head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. State IPA will be available at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants beginning on Thursday, August 31st. Visit funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA. Visit the website in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Joining us this week on State of State, former Penn State quarterback, the captain, Daryl Clark. If you think you're in good shape, you're not. Uh, Daryl Clark has been uh, killing it in the fitness game ever since his days at Penn State. And, uh, you know, the more I've talked to Justin, the more I have an appreciation for what you were able to accomplish at Penn State. But how is life now? What's going on in your world? Life has been pretty crazy. You know, I was down in the South for a little while. I was in South Carolina for about eight, eight, nine years. I just actually relocated back to my home state. I live in Columbus now. You know, I'm from Youngstown, but, um, you know, I'm here. I've been in Columbus since uh, October and trying to kick off the uh, my uh, quarterback training program. Um, that's been going pretty well. You know, I was waiting for the for the weather to break back in March for me to actually start to work with a few cues. You know, but uh, life is pretty good. Can't really complain. I'm back by my family. I'm back close to the Penn State, so I'll definitely be able to come to the games. Like I try and get to at least two to three of them each year. You know, so and as far as fitness, you know, I'm just just trying trying to stay in shape as much as I can. You know, I done lost my hair up top, man. So I gotta compensate for it by keeping the body right. You know. <laughs> We can't all have like Justin's hair, like I. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so weird seeing him in college with the buzz cut, and Joe Paterno obviously was very specific about that. The short sure. hair, for everybody, and then when he grew the dreads out, I was like, I didn't even recognize him. So it's yep. And when we yep. had Tony Hunt on, Tony with the beard and the hair, I was like, with who the, the hell beard, guy. Listen, just listen. let it all grow. That's I try try and grow my beard out now too, because everything was super clean shaven back when we were in school. Daryl, living in Columbus, do you just go by the horseshoe every once in a while and just try and vandalize the place or something like that, just for the hell of it, you know, just for fun? So I, I'm going to tell you a real quick story. Um, actually, it was the week that Penn State played Ohio State this past this past season. I'm still trying to get acclimated with the area, and uh, I'm driving around, and I wind up 
driving through campus and uh, it was it was by accident now i got a couple of penn state decals on my truck so i'm riding through and i start to see a lot of the students i'm like oh i must be on campus i had a couple of things thrown at my truck out of nowhere i'm just driving through and i'm like man what's going on what's going on you know they see some penn state stuff out there so you know and it's it's, it's game week and, we, and they're playing they're playing penn state so you know they they heckled me a little bit the thing is I get jokes passed about the record, you know, how they pretty much beating Penn State more than us beating them. But I, the only way I combat it is I said, man, when I was playing, we, you know, <laughs> we got the W down in the shoe. And it was a long time before we got the W down in the shoe. And Justin had something to do with it. I had something to do with it. And the rest of the boys had something to do with it. So usually when I bring that up, <laughs> it's, it's just beautiful uh the the big topic that we want to discuss today and you can absolutely understand this is that heading into the 2023 season the expectation is that the five-star hyped up recruit drew aller is going to be the starting quarterback for penn state we have no expectation of hearing that he is named the starter from james franklin probably until the week of the first game against west virginia uh late august first weekend of september obviously but you know what it's like to go through that first season as the starting quarterback of the Penn State Nittany Lions. When you look back on that first season, what were some of the thoughts, emotions, and motivations that were going through your mind? So I got a lot of motivation from a bunch of different places. And, you know, obviously when you get to Penn State, you know the landscape, you know your situation, you know you're probably not going to play the way, the way the situation was set for me. You're not going to play right away. And that was okay. Because I know I had some development to do, but eventually it was going to get to the point where you're going to have to compete for that starting job. This is what you've been waiting for. So, you know, a, a ball of nerves throughout the offseason, you know, what to expect. And like I said, going back to the motivational part, you know, obviously being rooted on by your family, your friends, and obviously you having confidence in yourself when you finally get the opportunity to play, you have that there. But one of my main motivational pieces was Michael Robinson. When I was a freshman and he was a senior, came in, I was watching him, the way he approached the games, the way he approached practice, the way he handled his teammates, the media, you know, uh, the leadership that he had. And you had, when he walked in the room, he demanded the room, he commanded the room, you know, and no one ever worried if we were down and we had to go down and score a touchdown, what he was going to do. You know, you had 10 other guys on offense that was willing to run through a wall for him, and I watched that for a whole season. So when I finally got the chance to compete for the job, I said, I want to I want to model my game off of him. I want to be just like Mike. So shout to Mike for, you know, leading the way. So when I finally got that chance to compete, I have that. Also competing against a, a, a great quarterback in uh, uh, Pat Devlin. You know, he was he was he you know, he was highly touted coming out of Pennsylvania, you know. So when Coach Joe had announced that uh, I was going to be the starter, it wasn't really received that well by a lot of people. And I didn't really comment on it, but I would I wouldn't listen in to what people would have to say. Who is this Daryl Clark kid? Two star recruit out of Ohio. Does he even know how to play the game? Can he read defenses? Can he throw the ball? You know, so I'm adding all of this bulletin board material to to the wall, but I never really said anything. It just it just added fuel to my fire. So I knew 
what I knew what I was capable of doing. I just needed the chance. And this was my chance. So you have that. And then, you know, we used to have competition between one another on, you know, on the team from offense to defense. I think Justin knows what I'm talking about. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but I know he does because I talked to him yesterday about bringing this up, and I am. So during camp, you know, preseason camp, media day comes in, and, you know, halfway through, they would go to interview, interview a lot of the leaders on the team, Justin being one of the leaders on the defense, obviously. So they would ask, you know, what's the progression with the quarterbacks? How's Daryl Clark doing? And uh, I remember Justin saying, and it got back to me, Justin said, I'm really not sure. Uh, he really doesn't throw my throw to my side, and I think I have his confidence in my back pocket. <laughs> Justin, care to comment? I mean, it's a, it's a true story, man. I was a different animal when I was at Penn State, man. It was like me and Daryl, to, to go into that and get ready for that season, it was like Daryl was coming out as on scout team ready to play. But like I, I talked a little bit, and there was a little – a little back and forth. I was, it's why it I was, was great. Different. Yeah, but it was great. But you saw the talent always in scouting. And that was a great point that he brought up, like competing against Pat Devlin and all those guys, because you saw the talent. Right. And it was like and it, it was before the, the time of the big athletic quarterback. Because even Mike Robinson, like our freshman year and shout outs to Mike Rob, AZ and Paul Bezlesny. I'll say that that's probably my, Matt Rice. Rest in peace. Like that's probably the greatest group of leaders that I've For been sure. in my life of football, right? That 05 team, but you jump back onto it. Now, nah, man, there was a level we had to compete and knowing that Daryl had skills, it was like, yo, he has to, he has to play. Like we, we still got Dion, Derek, or like, we're still trying to figure out what's up next. So it was like, man, this dude better be, you know, For ready sure. to, ready for the fire. And I mean, had to make sure it was good. <laughs> so, uh, so, so I, so I took it, I took it, I took it personal. I didn't hate him for it. I mean, you know, I looked at it just like how he said, I'm trying to bring the best out of this dude. So we need him to, we need him to, you know, put forth the best effort. So with that being said, though, it never happened, but I tried to see to it that our next live scrimmage, you know, Jay Paterno was our quarterback coach. So I wanted to, I went to him to see if he would call a quarterback sweep so I can get out on the edge and try and run Justice's ass over one time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but they were really particular about – yeah, I was mad. I was mad, dog. But I was like, okay, cool. I was mad. I was mad. But, you know, they were real particular about, you know, you can't really test a uh, quarterback at practice or whatnot. But, um, and trust, you nobody know, wanted to hit Daryl anyway, for real, for real. <laughs> nobody was trying to hit him, man. <laughs> and, um, and most importantly, though, you know, you, you, you have – a lot of things that everyone had to say um, as far as how we were going to be that season. And as far as I was, I, I had a lot to prove. I just wanted to prove to myself as well as the teammates that I belonged at the table. But let's be real, uh, Justin. Uh, it was when I when I was awarded the starting job, it was like they gave me the keys to a car that already had the bells and whistles. I mean, we were loaded. We were solid all, you know, all across the board, especially on defense. From the D-line all the way back to you guys in the secondary, we had nothing but veterans up front. You know, I mean, you're talking about AQ, Rich, Dennis Landau, Gerald Kadogan, uh, Wisniewski, you know, and, you know, and, and to, you know, our reserves were, were solid as well. We had two two stellar tight ends and, and, and Andrew Corliss and Mickey Shula, you know, uh, Dan Lawler doing his thing back there at fullback. We had Stephon Green. We had Evan Royster. And then we had the three-headed monster outside. All these guys were veterans. Now, you know, I'm talking about Justin, and not Justin, I'm talking about Jordan Norwood, Deion Butler, and Derek Williams. 
So the major concern and question mark was what was one seven going to do? You know, so I had that on my back, but I also knew going in that we were so talented. They had my back no matter what. So I was able to deal with my lumps and know that I didn't necessarily have to put the cape on every single play. But, you know, once I finally found the groove, um, yeah, um, and it was up from there. You know, I mean, I always knew I had the confidence. It was just a matter of uh, putting it together and showing everybody else. That's, a, that's an interesting dynamic going into their first season, get awarded the starting job, but the fans seem to show a little hate or not or question your ability. But also there's there's also an expectation of when you do come in, you can't fail because we have all the pieces in place. How did you mentally prepare for that? I know you said your guys had your back and different things of that nature, but like getting up like that was that training camp a little bit different going into your first first season or were you still because you were always I'm not gonna say feisty but you were always brought all the energy when you were on scout team right and like you used to drive us crazy on defense and keeping us on our toes and that's why we performed the way we did how was that different when you were going in knowing that okay I'm the name the starter like how do I command this thing before I go in front of 110,000 so the fact that um you know they didn't announce the starter the starting position until the very end of camp and I was also competing against somebody that was just as capable of running the show would bring the best out of me. So that actually made me really bring it every single week, every single practice, you know, <laughs> like running, lifting the whole nine. I was trying to be the first in everything because of the pressure of how, you know, how good Devlin was. And, you know, when the, when the competition rises, it only just makes you use, use that as a measure stick to see where you stand. So that made me better. And then also, when I finally, you know, got the call, you know, just um, just studying as much as I could and, and, and thinking about how Mike Rob would have handled going into his first week and how he approached everything. I, I paid attention to everything that he did. And uh, Coach Joe Paterno, he really did a good job, too. Of He knew I was a nervous wreck before almost every game. And some of the things that he would tell me mainly being, you know, just play within yourself. Play within yourself. You know what you're capable of. Just play within yourself. And that, to me, that just meant, you know, th with the whole uh, cape thing, the whole putting the Superman cape thing on, um, you know, just keep the main thing, the main thing, you know, and take your opportunities, take your shots when they're there. Um, but, you know, <laughs> don't don't get it twisted. I was I was excited when I finally got the call that I know that I was ready to make some stuff happen, man, because of because of our tools and shoot, it's either put up or shut up. Now, that's an interesting. That's a great point that you said. And just getting into the quarterback development, we're seeing now quarterbacks in college having success their freshman year coming out you know the seven on seven circuits in high school and now you're in the quarterback development game even when we see drew aller i feel like everyone's a little bit more comfortable with him because we've always seen him training for, i mean i've seen him training a lot for the past three or four years or seeing balls being thrown how is that development of a quarterback coming out of high school and what do you what do you think that learning curve is for guys that jump out of high school and kind of and have an immediate impact at the quarterback level um in college well, you mentioned it, you know, 707 has never been more prevalent than it is now, you know, and it, and it goes all year round. You have opportunities to, to compete against a lot of different, a lot of different uh, players, a lot of different teams. And then you have your resources, too, to where, you know, um, sometimes you can step away from your, your actual team to go work on, you know, your skills, your, your footwork, work on your mechanics. Um, figure out how to uh, break down a few more concepts when 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 it comes to uh, attacking a game. So during the off season, while you're you know, while you're fine tuning those skills, 
you know the game has changed a little bit. So you have to be you have to be able to do more than just throw the ball. But, you know, there's three things that I noticed that when it comes to, you know, evaluating a quarterback that you must have. And I feel like that is why everyone is starting to get so far advanced. One, obviously, you got to have arm strength. You got to have that. Now, that's something that you can work on if you don't have it at the very beginning. But when you walk into a season and you're awarded to start the position, you have to be able to make all the throws, you know. So you have to have that. That's one of the things that they call it the eye test. You have to pass the eye test with having your, uh, you know, making all the throws. Second, you know, I can turn on the film or talk to another coach or talk to another team and to find out exactly what your character is like. You know, uh, how is he uh, with the other teammates? Does he feel like he knows everything that there is to know about quarterback or he's able to receive criticism like he's supposed to and then sit back, learn from it and, and, and bounce back like you like, you know, like you would uh, like you would supposed to do. And then, you know, how is his body language, you know, when adversity hits? Because, you know, things are not always going to go well. So when they don't, you know, are you hanging your head? You know, are you pointing your finger or are you taking a deep breath? knowing what, what you have to do and get back into it and having a, a, a short memory. These are things that you always have to uh, possess when it comes to, you know, being an elite quarterback. And, and lastly, in a perfect world, you wish that you can, you know, pull up to the line of scrimmage, notice that there's a great coverage, you know, you got the great call, you know, you drop back, you got a clean, you got clean jersey, clean pocket, and you just make your throws. But you know, the game is advanced now. You got great pass rushers. You got great, you know, linebackers that blitz. How is your ability when it comes to extending plays, right? You have to have the ability to extend. And I'm not talking about looking at number one, he's not open, drop your head and take off a run. I'm talking buying time, stand down a gun barrel, let they say, moving your feet, being elusive as possible while staying in position to make the throws in those closed windows and make the throw and keep the chains moving. You know, those three things you have to have. And if you're able to hone on those and have those on a consistent basis, you got a shot. You have a shot. And um, that's why I'm excited to see Drew Allen do his thing this year. I'm really, really excited. He, he fits the mold. You know, he's a big guy. He can move. He got a really, really live arm. I've seen him have a couple of quality reps last year. And he had a whole offseason this year working. Now, I know they didn't announce the starter, but he's had a whole offseason working probably taking the number one rep. So I, I think with him, you know, he's in a really unique situation because, you know, I, I don't really necessarily think he has to uh, prove people wrong. I think he has to prove people right because of how many, so, so many good things that they've said about him. And it's just a matter of honing in on what he has to do, taking, you know, taking charge and, and, and running the show. So I'm excited to see what's, uh, what's to come for those guys, especially Drew. Penn State fans, Smack Apparel has the best gear for talking smack on game day. Head to smackapparel.com today and be ready for week one with the Save a Couch Beat WVU shirt. Also, check out their Let There Be White tee for the whiteout game against Iowa at Beaver Stadium. There's also the Drink Up Roar On tee, as well as the Saturday's We Are design. If you're watching this on YouTube, scan the QR code on the screen to take you to the website instantly on your phone. Visit Smack Apparel and use our promo code STATE10 at checkout for 10% off your order. That's S-T-A-T-E-1-0. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code STATE10 at checkout. Why we're boring when you can wear smack. 
Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels, pomades, and now body washes. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code STATE. 20, that's S-T-A-T-E-2-0 at checkout for 20% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. Daryl, I love how you put it earlier is that you didn't initially feel the pressure to, quote, put on the cape and put everything on your shoulders. And I see so many parallels, apples to oranges, but still you had a veteran role model in Michael Robinson. Drew Aller had a veteran role model in Sean Clifford. Sean, Everybody, yeah. before you come at me, Sean Clifford and Michael Robinson are not the same quarterback or athlete. Everybody calm down. But still, looking at the situation that played out last season, especially, there are a lot of people, and myself included at times, who was like, man, I'd love to see Aller get a start in here against maybe an inferior opponent late in the season when a couple of losses had stacked up. And I was like, hey, the Big Ten title postseason play is just going to be you know, a little trickier than – they initially expected but those decisions at the line of scrimmage before the ball is even snapped there was no question from the coaching staff uh, staff that Sean Clifford had that locked down but there were questions about Drew Aller having that locked down can you articulate that learning curve of hey you might be able to do some things after the ball is snapped but making sure everything is good before it's snapped that's got to be two different universes for sure. For sure. And it all comes from film study and repetition. You know, you're the guy that's out there. So you're the guy that sees everything unfold before the um, before the snap starts. So as you approach the line of scrimmage, they may give you a pre-snap look as, oh, OK, I remember this. But they may start moving around a little bit. Now you have to have in your mind two to three to sometimes four different side adjustments that you have to make uh, a call right then and there. Everyone has to be on one accord, and that's something that you work out at practice. But you don't get there by just watching film. You have to rep these things out. Even at practice, you get you get the look, and they rep it as much as they can so you can see it. But until you see it in live, in a live game, um, only will you really know exactly what you you know what you have to do in those situations. I mean, there are some times that there, that a defense will throw something at you that you're not prepared for. That's when your imagination starts to come in you know, and your preparation and you're not too overwhelmed at what they're throwing at you because of uh, the amount of work that you put in throughout the week. Um, it can be difficult at times, but at the same time, you're an athlete, you know, you're at that position for a reason. And as long as you, you know, hone in on your skills and your game plan that you guys have to stick to, you should be okay. But, um, you know, I've always said, you know, as far as, you know, being a quarterback, you have to have work ethic, obviously, and you have to have imagination. You know, both of those go hand in hand. You know, my, my motto with Flight 17 is imagination and work ethic is the largest plane one can fly. So when you're nice with those, when you're when you're tight with those and you're implementing that every time you step out on the field or even in the film room or even in a classroom, watch your game elevate. That's interesting that you said that even from all the evaluations of a quarterback, it all goes back to a level of like snap count. So that's one thing that we, when we built the football league at the XFL based on trying to get quarterbacks more snap counts for the sake of development for a chance to play in the nfl because right because once mm -hmm. you get to the nfl those first 32 starters they get all the reps but two and three four like the backup quarterbacks you don't get many live reps to the point that you're talking about and you've seen the birth of 
like the quarterback, I can't say quarterback consultant, but the quarterback coaches where they're taking over a large part of quarterbacks careers and development. You're seeing like the Geno Smiths, like continue to develop, like the Chris oh, yeah. Avery's in Atlanta, yourself, uh, Morelli, and just yes. that snap count when you're talking about movement in the pocket, arm strength and all those different things. I mean, the birth of that quarterback development coach, I mean, it, it shows the the benefit and the value prop to the game. And I think that's, I mean, I love that you touched on that. But just to that point, I think just going into it, like that snap count is something that you can't avoid. Like there's right. a matter of reps that you need to have. And I think it was um, brought up when Mark Sanchez back in the day got drafted where it was just like, hey, he had a great career, but we started understanding like the success in the NFL was kind of di- dictated on the snap counts that you had. Like how many times can you see that? How many times can you hear imagination uh, go crazy or when you're seeing uh, talking about having mobility in the pocket and keeping your eyes down in the barrel those are those are like repetitious type of things you can't just get in and do those like things from a, a field standpoint so like that quarterback sure. position being such a skill-based um, emotional based thing it is one of the positions where you have to have like a personal coach continue to do and work on you in your game did you have quarterback coaches when you were coming up or do you remember the industry of quarterback coaches um, when you were coming up out of high school? Not like how it is now, I would say. I mean, you you have your your head coach out of high school. Um, you know, as much as they know, they will take you to the Nike camps that are in the area. Um, I wish I was able to attend, you know, a Peyton Manning camp, you know, back then, you know, to learn a few more things. There was never a um, I mean, I actually worked with Steve DeBert, uh, you know, an old time quarterback that used to play with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in the day when I was getting prepared for the combine. So he was a great help, too. Um, but as far as like a, a Quincy Avery or an Anthony Morelli or one of those mentor quarterback coach developmental guys that were outside of your program, I never really had that, you know, but, um, you know, working in tight with. Uh, uh, Mike McQuarrie, you know, he played QB. Mike, he helped. Uh, Jay Paterno, obviously. And, you know, after my junior season, you know, after we played in the Rose Bowl, um, going into my senior year, I was a counselor. You know, I was selected to be a counselor out at the Elite 11 camp. So they had a great amount of guys out there that were playing and uh, coaches that have played in the NFL over time. So there were some nuggets that I grabbed from those guys. Um, but I never really had that one guy that I went to during the offseason. So I think now, more times than not, um, it's really important that everyone has something like that. It's great to have a quarterback coach on the staff, and they may be buttoned up with everything that they need to learn or whatnot. But sometimes just taking a little break away from everything, the whole hoorah, getting ready for the season, and just really you know, getting an outside perspective and bringing it in to what you already knew is essential. It was working for Penn State. The last two quarterbacks that we recruited came from the same quarterback coach in high school. I forget the guy's name. I think his name is Brad. Um, I'm not going to butcher his last name, but uh, Drew and I know the committed quarterback that's coming in next year. Like they had the same quarterback coach. Uh, Grunk- like Grunkmeyer. Grunkmeyer. There you go. Okay. Like they have yep. the same quarterback coach, and I'm just. It's always interesting to see like that developmental phase because we're seeing guys getting better in that reps in such a specialty position, and how you approach it is completely different than the rest of the positions in the football ecosystem. So it's very fascinating. Daryl, especially Drew Aller, he's been scouted and recruited by current Penn State offensive coordinator Mike Yurcich for years now, like on the record dating back to his time at Texas and then Ohio Mm. State, that he's had his eye on Drew Aller. 
uh, Justin and I have talked about is like, hey, the, the politics of bringing in a five-star quarterback that you would pay attention to for this long. <laughs> he's he's probably going to start week one against West yeah. Virginia. And that's nothing against Bo Perbulo, who apparently has been pushing him significantly in camp, and that it is a true quarterback battle, which is great to see. Sure. But considering that Yursich has tracked Aller for this long, how, how much pressure does that put on a young quarterback despite all the accolades that he has? Yeah, it can be a little bit of it can be a little bit of pressure there. You know, it all it, it's, it's all about how you approach it, though. You know, um, where your mindset is when it comes to playing this game. I mean, you know, obviously he's played quarterback for a long time, so he knows what it takes. Um, it's just a, it's just a matter of actually doing it. But then when you have someone that was recruiting you for so long, and then you, not to mention you still have the prestige of Penn State, you still have to go and perform. You know, like what Justin said, in front of one hundred and ten thousand plus you know, uh, week in and week out and play against some of the, you know, the, the notable players and notable teams throughout the Big Ten, you know, it's pressure in itself. It's just how you approach it. Now, as long as you continue to, you know, and I I haven't talked to Drew. I was actually pretty close with Sean, and I would, you know, I would uh, reach out to him, you know, maybe days before games just to see where his head is or whatnot. I like to get to that point with Drew, too, just to stay connected with the guys. Um you know, but based off of what I've heard and what I've seen, I think he'll be fine in that retrospect as long as he continues to keep the main thing the main thing. They'll they you know they'll have him prepared for what's to come um, versus West Virginia versus you know I'll stay down here this year and, and and Columbus and I just the way I see it is you know he'll he'll have a, a, a maybe a few mistakes down the line or whatever, but I think his pros will outweigh the cons. And uh, he'll be the leader that everyone thinks he's going to be. He's just have to, you know, work through it. But it's um, like I said, as far as the pressure, it's all how you look at it. And as long as you stay focused on the goal, the pressure will start to go away once you start, you know, throw a touchdown and win a football game. You you mentioned that pressure. There are two mm-hmm. games on the schedule, the regular season schedule, that everybody is looking at: at Ohio State and at home against Michigan. You talked mm-hmm. about not feeling the pressure to put the cape on for everything to be on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. How do you tell a teenage quarterback starting his first season, you don't need to win everything, you don't need to do everything against Michigan and Ohio State? Preparation is key, first of all. Um, you know, you've had weeks on top of weeks to get prepared for both of these games. You know where you're going to be looking at out there. You know what they're going to be throwing. You know they're going to be talking. And at the same time, you know also what you have, what you're capable of. But don't forget, you got wide receivers. You got the long boys back there. You know what I mean? You got the two. You got the two highly touted running backs that uh, young and hungry, ready to make some things happen as well. And your offensive line is, is 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 stout as well. So just take what they give you. You know there will be opportunities where you can take a shot to keep the defense on, honest. And when you do, you go ahead and make that happen. But you know, take the high percentage throws, keep the chains ahead of you, keep the chains rolling, and uh, just stay positive. There's 10 other guys in the huddle that are looking for you to to right the ship if something were to happen that goes awry, but at the same time, you were built for this. So going to make this thing happen, right? All right, you know, um, see, the, see the ball, right? See the defense, all right? See your guy, make the throw, next play. If something bad happens, you have to have the short memory, but you're more than capable of doing it. I believe he, I believe he can make it happen. 
Justin, uh, we've talked about your your history with the team uh, being a five star recruit, having all those expectations for Drew Aller, the expectations from this fan base. What can you expect? Obviously, it's completely different when you're playing the quarterback position. Take it with a grain of salt. I will say, like when I first I started playing, like you, like, even from that standpoint, I had a nice freshman year playing both sides of the ball. My first game, uh, my sophomore year, starting full time on defense. Uh, common theme. I got, I got I kind of ran over, and I remember like the noise that I got from that. And I was like, well, I was covering good, but I, like it was a lot of heat of you know expectations within the Penn State ecosystem are handled differently. It's a blue collar town, so sometimes some emotions come up when someone is deemed the star doesn't de- like perform at a star level. Seeing so many guys, mm-hmm. like even when you think of someone like a Mike Robinson, right? To the fans, to the fans, he went through the ringer. He played different positions. He he worked his way up playing receiver, backed people up, paid his dues, and in his fifth year, he took the team there. So, and even though Mike Raw was a top player coming out of high school, like we kind of forget that. But sometimes those things come with the starting role at Penn State as a Penn State quarterback or any primetime college football program, but especially Penn State when you're a highly touted recruit, they expect no drop offs. Here's the thing, Daryl, for me, you know, you mentioned it moments ago, you were a two star. Um, There were people looking at Pat Devlin to be the guy and he wound up transferring (laughs) to Delaware. So it proved just how good you had turned into. Um, It's something I had said a number of weeks back and it was uh, a quote I kind of ripped off of Steve Jones, the voice of Penn State football. And he was talking about what he was hoping to see from Sean Clifford in 2022 was something in the neighborhood of 60% to 65% completion percentage, two to one touchdown ratio. Uh, touchdown to interception ratio. That's about what you did in your last two seasons at Penn State, and that is no small feat. And obviously, you earned all Big Ten honors doing so, and MVP honors doing so. Uh, but the expectations for you, fortunately, were were low. So, what was the fan base like from your perspective when you were there versus what Drew is going to deal with, which is probably going to be a freaking circus. So I remember playing in the uh, the Alamo Bowl against Texas A&M. They put in a, like a wildcat package. And, you know, I got in a couple of plays. I actually scored a touchdown that game. And uh, But, you know, during the season before then, um, you know, there were a lot of fans that I would run into, you know, in, you know going, going to class and everything, and they would have a few things to say. But they really didn't have – they really didn't know much about me. But they were excited for my opportunity down the line. So you have fans, but you're not. But you also have people that you weren't that weren't really sure on what you were capable of doing because of coming in and not being that highly touted guy. You know, I feel like once I finally started to play, and you know, we played Coastal the first game, and you know, that was like a somewhat of a warm up game for everybody to get their feet wet and need to finally get that experience. But then we had somewhat of an upset alert against Oregon State, and we blew the doors off of them. You know, so all of the same people that had questions was like, maybe Clark might be for real. You know, maybe he might be a little bit more than we thought at the very beginning. So the fan base necessarily not wasn't necessarily there at the very beginning, but as we started to chop the season away and the way we were winning football games and the ability to, you know, take care of the ball is uh, the way we did on offense um, versus having a, a high turnover ratio or whatnot. And we wound up winning big games that a lot of people actually didn't think we would even be close to winning. I think when we first started that season, 
you know, they didn't have us even close to competing for the Big Ten championship. They had us behind Old State. They had us behind Michigan. And they had us behind, you know, Wisconsin. So we started to make a little noise, you know, won a few of those games. And I remember our first road, our, our, our big road test against Wisconsin at night under the lights, we made a lot of noise, you know, so it just went from there. So the fan base started to really believe in the spread HD, what, you know, what, what we were doing on offense and, and, you know, they started to really believe in me. I think it's different now, obviously, because, you know, Drew being a five-star uh, recruit, he has that backing. And that was what I was kind of alluding to earlier. He just has to prove everybody right. Versus proving people wrong. Mm-hmm. Justin, specifically looking at the schedule, I, I think we feel pretty confident about the, what the game against West Virginia will will be. They, they're expected to be the bottom of the Big 12 uh, this season. Uh, then you got the Delaware game. Then you got at Illinois and home in whiteout against Iowa. Those feel like those two games, a la the Oregon State game that Daryl just mentioned. If Drew can come out and perform well in those two games, does that set him up for success the rest of the year? believe so. I mean, I, I do believe a quarterback is a confidence-driven position. <clears throat> and with the pieces having that he has around him, getting to that point in the season with some success, I definitely feel it opens up. And like Daryl said earlier, like that mobility in the pocket shows a lot of confidence. Right? Being able to go through, step in the barrel, like that's confidence of getting hit. Being able to, intelligence of seeing your next throw, putting it in the right pocket. And you know, he displayed that a lot in the spring. So I'm really excited about Drew and what he has coming up. Um, but yeah, for sure. Daryl, uh, we really appreciate you joining us here. For those that are interested in supporting uh, Flight 17, or even if there's anybody watching this that would like to learn directly from you through Flight 17, uh, what information do they need to know? Where do they need to go? So flight17training.com is my website. Obviously, you can reach me there. You can reach me on my uh, Instagram handle with Captain Clark 17 and I also have a Flight 17 uh uh, Instagram as well, QB Flight 17. Um, you know, working on fundamentals, footwork. Uh, we can break down concepts. We can get on the chalkboard and go over a few things in terms of defenses. Um, but you know, I, I like to have a lot of fun with the kids. And you know, the most rewarding thing that I've experienced thus far, and we're just getting started, is starting with one and seeing the uh, progression as you continue to work with them. And now, not only is there, are they getting better with their skill, you can you can notice their chin is a lot higher, the chest is a lot higher when going to, to camp and practicing with the team or competing for the job, or if they already were the starter, their skills has been sharpened enough for them to continue to do what they've been doing. So, you know, as far as everyone else, hey, I always tell the kids, you know, stay humble. Stay hungry, stay humble, and stay consistent. And if you can, you know, hone in on all three on a consistent basis, watch your game elevate, man. There you go. Flight 17. Flight 17, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Daryl, we appreciate you. Uh, If we can ever get you guys in person or if I can be there in person to watch you actually run over Justin at some point, I would. (laughs) Yeah. I think that'd be entertaining. That's all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my man my man hey thank you guys for having me man i really appreciate you and i love the show i love what you guys are doing Keep coming thanks for coming on man appreciate you thank you all so much for joining us this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on youtube apple podcasts spotify google podcasts tune in and wherever else you get your podcasts and of course let us know what you think of the show on twitter at the king one and at tom hannafin State of State is presented by Bet Online. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.